Let's turn to Daniel chapter 2 this morning. And we tried it. It didn't work. I have to give you major kudos. Uh, I'm praying for a special blessing and special jewel in your crowns for sitting through an hour-long sermon last week. Uh, It showed me that I cannot preach a chapter of Daniel on a given Sunday. So rest assured, find peace in your hearts. We have now broken chapter 2 into two messages. So it should only be 55 minutes today. All right. How many of you have seen the movie Vantage Point? Anybody know the movie Vantage Point? We've got one person, a couple people in the back, one person back there. Love this movie. Love this movie because it's such a unique uh, style. I'd never seen this happen before. Uh, Dennis Quaid, I couldn't think of that before. The The Quaid brothers. There's the crazy one, Randy Quaid, and then there's Dennis, who's a legitimate actor. Um, Dennis is a Secret Service man who's coming back online. He'd taken a bullet for the president on a a prior uh, uh, job. And he's nervous, and he's coming back online for this. And there's a big event in Italy, and the president's supposed to give a speech. And I won't give it away in case you want to see it. But these events keep unfurling in front of you. You're introduced to it, and you keep watching, keep watching. And then this isn't giving anything away. But yes, the president is shot. He's assassinated and everything gets crazy. And then a bomb goes off. And, and there's all this that's happening. And then all of a sudden the movie stops. And the screen goes black. And then it rewinds like you're watching a videotape. And I'll never forget seeing this movie in the movie theater. Because this happens four times in the movie. And about the third time, the guy in front of me yells. And he's like... Come on! And he turns back like the movie's really broken. He didn't understand what was happening. He's like, I'm getting my money back. You know, he's thinking he's getting ripped off on this. The point of the movie is they're taking the story and they're running it through and then they rewind it and they put you somewhere else in those events through somebody else's eyes. And they tell the story all over again. And now you get more information. And you get up to the last part And then, boom, it stops and it rewinds again. And now you're through the eyes of somebody else completely differently. And more information comes out. Why do I tell you that? Because we're going to do something unique with the passage this morning. We're actually going to use a vantage point of the end of the story. And they're going to work backwards to inform us how we got there. Okay? Hopefully that will make it a little bit interesting this morning. What I want you to take away today is this comment. God will go to uncommon effort to exalt Himself in the eyes of men. That's it. Alright, we're going to get into some crazy stuff today. I got a lot of questions when I walked out about visions and words and dreams and this and that. I don't want you to get confused by all that. And, And if there are certain aspects that you hold to, I want you to be really clear as to what my point of emphasis is today. You're really going to have to hold context to what we're trying to emphasize. What we're trying to emphasize is that God will go to uncommon effort to exalt Himself in the eyes of men. Now, I've chosen to use some words today that can cause a firestorm. And I noticed just within after first service, a couple people that... They're internalizing, they're grinding, they're not happy with some of the things that 
that were stated up here because they think it was going and diverging against and well i'm actively choosing to use words that are legitimate things that are happening within the church and we're not going to be shy we're going to address them but be careful what you hear if you start emoting if the fire the chili fire starts burning up inside of you calm down and remember the main point and listen carefully as to what we're trying to say there's no way in one sermon i can address the larger scope of the small things I'm bringing attention to. So, I say to you, if you have questions at the end of the sermon, engage with me throughout the week. Send me emails. Call me. And and we'll have a good time with all of this. This morning, we're going to start with this statement. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. That should give you a a taste of where we're going. Alright? We're getting into the ethereal here. We're getting outside the boundaries of the concrete. And that's cool. That's great because that's who God is. God has His part of Him that is very concrete. It is never changing. It's His principles. It's His relationship with man. It's the Gospel. Those things don't change. But sometimes how He communicates all of that, He mixes it up every once in a while. Sometimes that's a little scary for us because it's uncommon. And when things get scary... We want to discount what's happening. And so we'll get into that here in a little bit. But understand that this comment, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, is straight from Scripture. And it is verifiable. And so we're going to work backwards today. Let's go to verses 19 through 28 and read. And it says this, Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise For you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in, therefore the king and I... Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation." Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Listen carefully, Daniel's response. Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. 
Now you're going to have to come next week to find out what Daniel's answer is. But here we start and we find ourselves in a throne room and we've got some kind of a crisis. But you're at the end of the game. And so Daniel is thanking God for revealing some mystery to him. What mystery? Daniel spends time praising God and exalting God. Because God has shown up. Number one, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Do you believe that? If you do, say something. I don't know. Okay, that's a good one. Amen works around here. Secondly, Daniel has the answer revealed in a vision. Alright? He has this revealed in a vision. Daniel, and you'll see in a few moments, asks for prayer. But verse 19 says, The mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Now that's uncommon, isn't it? How many of us have had God come speak to us in a vision of the night? We usually call those what? Dreams. Now, the question, one of the questions that was posed to me in between services, what's the difference between a word from the Lord, a dream, and a vision? If you go to the last verse that I read to you, this is Daniel's words. He says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. I haven't done a word study on the differences between those things, but understand, Joseph had a what? He had a dream. It's not called a vision. He had a dream. But that dream was a vision of something that was to come that God purposely intended. There wasn't any casualness about it. It had purpose behind it, and it had God's purpose behind it. It was future telling. It served a purpose for events to start happening or events to be interpreted. You go to Isaiah 1, and it says that Isaiah was, through a vision, given the opportunity to see things of God. You think, you think about John being taken up in a vision to the throne room of God. Uh, Acts 2 speaks about Joel's comment on the end days and it says uh, your young men will have visions and your old men will have dreams so all i can tell you as of right now is that the scripture seems to use these terms synonymously okay i can't tell you the difference necessarily off the top of my head because that's not what i studied that's kind of like the tail wagging the dog for our message today our point today is that god exalts himself through uncommon ways To get the attention of men. Remember? That's the point today. Now we can do some more studies and talk about that later. What we do know is that God works through those ways. For our context this morning, I want you to understand that we're going to start talking about visions and how do you know if it's really from God, if it's a vision, if it has purpose, or if I just had a dream. When I say it that way, it's as simple as God's not involved in this. It was just something my subconscious was wrestling with. It's something that was just a movie playback in my head. It's something I'm thinking about, but it has no implication spiritually or purpose behind what God does. That's just sometimes we have those dreams, right? Um, That's very different than what we're speaking about here with Daniel with the vision. There was a purpose 
And you'll see that as we unfurl it. Daniel has the answer revealed in a vision. By the way, this is, as far as I know, one of the few times this happens in Daniel. That God speaks directly sometimes. God simply interacts in miraculous ways sometimes. But here in this moment, in an uncommon way, He speaks through a vision. And really what's going on here is not to exalt Daniel or for us to focus on visions. It's to watch what God wants to do to change the world. Remember, we're studying Daniel so that we know how to live in a fallen world. Alright? The next point this morning is Daniel promotes God, not himself. Right? There is a God in heaven. Nebuchadnezzar says, Alright, impress me. Show me what you've got. And he had been asking, and this is where we're going with the vantage point issue, he's been asking all of his advisors, his magicians, his enchanters, tell me what this means. And we're going to have some fun watching that and, and how good Nebuchadnezzar is is exposing charlatans. Okay. As Nebuchadnezzar asked this, Daniel had every opportunity to thump his chest and say, I've got the answer. Daniel knew better. And this, my friends, is what we have to learn today. How do you know if God's involved in a vision? One of the surefire ways for us to know is that it's about Him exalting Himself. It's not there for our promotion. It's not there for our ability to gain something. Even notoriety. You saw Daniel's approach. He didn't want any of the notoriety. He pointed all towards God. And there's a purpose behind it. There's a reason for this to happen. We're going to unlock that mystery. Remember the vantage point. What uncommon challenge in your life is waiting for you to promote God? So this morning, you're going to see a, a comment coming up about how God communicates. We're not going to avoid that. God communicates for us through His Word. God also communicates with us through prayer. And God uses His Spirit to work through those things. Now here's why you see a little bit more of this happening in that time than you do now. It's more uncommon to us than it was to them. At that time, they had an incomplete Scripture. All right, They had just a few books at that point in time. Usually what happened is that God spoke to a prophet, right? It, like Jonah. That God would come to Jonah and he would say, I need you to do this and you need to go warn uh, the king of Nineveh. Or to Isaiah or to Jeremiah or to Ezekiel and on and on it goes. And you see as you read in scripture, there's a dialogue that happens there. That is a word, that is a prophetic word that goes through his prophet. Alright? The other is unique... Because he would work through those individuals to manifest his glory. For us today, we have his spirit, we have his word, we have a dynamic open channel of prayer. So he doesn't need to come in with what we call special revelation. All right, Special revelation is going beyond the general revelation, the unique re revelation. This is specific revelation. But special revelation is where God acts in accordance with His Word, in accordance with His Spirit,
but acts uniquely with a special message for a special time, for a special event or person. Does he still do that today? I believe he does. But I believe that there are many that misuse this and lead us astray in this area. All right? One of the biggest challenges is that you're going to have a lot of individuals in this story that we're going about to go to with the vantage point that fit pulpits today. They claim that they've had visions. They claim that they have some word from God. And yet God was not exalted in the situation. Be careful of that. That can be extremely damaging and we don't want to be part of what God is doing. But, and I come from the school that preaches that a whole lot more than this happens a lot. But what I'm, I'm sharing with you and I'm taking the time to share is, folks, this is biblical. This is real. And God even prophesies and, and, and is, it's, it's magnified again in Acts for the church that in the end times, that young men will have dreams, old men will have visions, or vice versa, whatever it is, that God will speak through those things. But it will always be in accordance with the Scripture and it will always be to exalt Him in the eyes of men. Alright? So for you, for me, what challenges do we have that we're facing that God needs to be exalted in? What challenges, what difficulties, what crisis is happening around you and do we think in those terms that this is an opportunity for God to shine, for God to show up, for God to demonstrate His power, what He is doing? And I challenge you when it comes to this question... Think in those terms. Secondly, we have an uncommon approach. Verse 14 through 18. Let's look at this and reveal some more of the story. How did we end up with Daniel giving praise and then going before King Nebuchadnezzar and saying there is a God in heaven who reveals these things? Well, let's start in verse 14. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. So what do we have? Daniel's finding out that there's an urgent problem. Daniel's hearing that he and his friends are going to be killed. And so what does it say about Daniel? Well, he has an uncommon approach to a crisis. Remember my challenge, my application challenge to you is what is in your life that God needs to be involved in and He needs to be exalted so that that when it goes beyond what you can do, what I can do, we go to prayer, we ask God to show up within the context of His will, and He does, and we exalt Him just like Daniel does. What is that crisis? Well, these guys had a major crisis. But it says that Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. He was wise. He understood how to engage and connect with the person that's assigned to kill them. Sounds like Dietrich Bonhoeffer a little bit, right? You see, Dietrich Bonhoeffer didn't sit on the sidelines. When he heard that things were happening and he knew ultimately that they were going to be killed, he could see beyond what common men would. Common men were convincing themselves it's really not that bad. 
you know, if we just kind of go along with things, surely they'll spare us. No. You see, through his wisdom seeking God and God's relationship with Dietrich, he knew what the end was coming and what that would look like. And so he acted with prudence. Same thing with Daniel. Daniel steps up and he acts. And he tells his friends to what? To seek mercy. Go down to 17 and we'll continue on. It says, then Daniel... So Daniel finds out that they're going to get killed. He says, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Ariok made the matter known to Daniel. And that's kind of the mystery that we're still looking for under a vantage point. Why is all this happening? But what we know at this point is Daniel now knows that there's an edict to kill him and his friends. Crisis time. So what does Daniel do? He has an uncommon approach. It says this, verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Those guys known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? He lets them know what's about to happen. And then what happens, verse 18, and told them to seek mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. He asked them to pray. That was Daniel's uncommon response. I shared with you last week that we're living in a fallen world. We're living in a world that wants to change our thinking. And on some levels, it's happening, folks. It's changing and it's dangerous. And we need to get back to God. We need to get back to those things that are good and right and healthy and spiritual and that are part of God's plan for mankind, that are for His benefit and for His good. So we called you to prayer. We asked you to come and pray. And we had an incredible night of prayer last Sunday night. We followed the application of what Daniel did in the midst of his crisis. Can I encourage you to do that on a personal level? If you have challenges, if you have difficulties, if you're under trial, if you're under scrutiny, call out to your friends and ask them to pray. Now what happened after he called them to pray? Remember, we've already gone through it. We saw that vantage point. God revealed through a vision to Daniel the mystery of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And what was his response? Prayer, praise, exaltation. God is exalted. But remember, we're working backwards. If you want that point in time where you've got the answers that are to the mysteries of life that are between man and God, pray. Use an uncommon approach. If you want to get here to the end of the story and succeed, look at how you got there. Look at how you got there. Daniel got there by... Being wise, getting involved, asking questions when questions needed to be asked, and standing in the face of those, not to rush into the king and beg for mercy, he went to the king who he knew had all the power. You see, at this point, it's a pivot point, and this is where I'm going to reveal something to you. This is the true message today. It's not so much about visions and dreams and what's what and how do we do all that. Here's the true message of today. That you have an evil king. Let me help you understand the evilness of this. Some of you are familiar with the story of Jonah, right? God tells him, I want you to go to Assyria and I want you to preach. I'm preparing the heart of the king and preach them to repentance. And what's Jonah do? (laughs) Goes the other way. 
Why? When some of us went over to England recently uh, for a missions trip, I took them on the way back. We went into London to fly out. We went to the British Museum. And we saw artifacts with Nebuchadnezzar's name on them. Real artifacts. Okay? We saw the gates of, of uh, the Ishtar gates. We saw gates that were there in Nimrod. One of the gates that was set up under the Assyrian king, which is the one that follows Nebuchadnezzar, was a gate that was the welcome gate. The how you doing, this is who we are gate. That gate, at a certain point in time, was filled with people. A particular group of people that the king of Persia suspected were attempting to overthrow him. So his answer was to take the commander of the army and put him in a gate along with the battalion and pour molten bronze on them and bronze them into the gate alive as a statement. That is the statement he wanted to make for anybody coming through. Do you understand the brutality of these kings? So Nebuchadnezzar goes down south, takes a little vacation, conquers Judah in the meantime, grabs up the articles, the precious articles that God has consecrated for Himself in the temple. He raids the temple of God. Do you understand what that means in those days? That means you are more powerful than that God. And not only does He do that, He takes those artifacts, those they're not artifacts, the, the symbols, the functioning symbols of, of God that were crafted in, in the temple in the presence of the Holy of Holies, and He puts them in His treasury with His gods. And He's feeling pretty fat and sassy about who He is. This is the message today. How do we live in a fallen world? This message isn't about visions and dreams. That's the uncommon way with which God chose to reveal Himself and exalt Himself and remind a king whose Scripture says God blessed Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was God's servant. Of course He was. Of course he was. Remember Jeremiah 25? We talked about it last week that God told Judah ahead of time. I'm sending someone named Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to take you captive and he's going to lead you away and you're not going to enjoy it. And by the way, you'll be gone there for 70 years. And did that happen? That's exactly what happened. So even though Nebuchadnezzar is God's servant, we stand to reason that Nebuchadnezzar has no idea who God is. And God has said, enough is enough. I've given you this victory, and now I'm going to shake you to the core. And I'm going to show you who gave you this victory, and I'm going to show you who truly is in charge. So I'm going to send you a dream. And that's where we're going. That's how we get the whole vantage point. This morning, remember, Daniel researches and responds with faith. He sees a crisis that's unfolding in front of him and he responds in faith. He carefully goes about it. This morning, we had, and albeit, I get it, it's a little confusing to have John standing here for forever and you're like, what's going on? And, and you know, it came to my knowledge that somebody was highly upset about this, thinking that I was purposely being rude to John and, and disregarding John completely and totally and they're really, really upset about this situation. And what I need to let you know is that that happens in our lives all the time, doesn't it? Because we don't look at the totality 
And we don't enter in with discretion as far as what's really going on. That's what Daniel did, and he was rewarded for it. So can I encourage you? When you face those trials, when you face those difficulties, when you face those challenges, don't just react. Go back to what you know about God. And work out in faith and be resolute and pursue questions and seek answers. Get involved. What do I mean by that? Well, I can summarize that in a very simple question. Let me take you there. Things that you've said. Things that you've had conversations about. Such as, is it proper for a Christian to become a politician? Alright? So you've had that, you've probably talked about that at some point in time with somebody, right? To what level do we get involved? To what level do we get involved? Well, Daniel stood up. He got involved. And I believe that there is a place for us in this time in this world, in this fallen world, for us to get involved with wisdom and discretion. But not to sit back. Remember with Dietrich, the church wanted to sit back and wanted to play it safe. And just wanted to sit there. And you can hear them now saying, we're just going to rely on God. Well, I remember a certain movie quote, y'all going to die in there. Dietrich saw what was going on and he said, we have to get involved. We have to do something. Daniel said the same thing. Second, Daniel realized the hopeless situation and called his friends to what? Prayer. Uncommon response. How many of us, as we face whatever trials we face, that's the first thing we do? We go to prayer. I can tell you what I do. Of course, I go to prayer. I'm your pastor. I have to. No. No, I agonize over it. I try to figure it out. I try to fix it. I try to make calculated plans i try to think what's the wise way to have this conversation over here and then eventually i realize i'm leaving somebody out of the equation here why don't you start praying and ask god to be involved and show you and act in front of you and why don't you bring some other people into this to pray about it as well and what happened because he had that kind of wisdom and he acted in that uncommon approach? He was rewarded with an incredible answer that saved not only his life, but many others. And most importantly, exalted the God of heaven in the eyes of a wicked king. This morning, what uncommon approaches do you need grafted into your soul? Maybe it's the one I just mentioned for myself. The discipline of in the moment going to prayer. Maybe it's asking for help by others to go to prayer. Maybe it's being involved in that process. Maybe it's getting off the sidelines and getting involved and standing up for Christ so He can be exalted. Amen? The enemy wins when we're silent. Remember, this is not about Daniel and his and his buddies surviving. This is about King Nebuchadnezzar knowing the God of heaven. And God showed up. And our nation desperately needs this. I cannot emphasize enough how much of a fallen world we're living in. And yet, for God to simply show up when others realize the futility of their efforts, 
people fall in love with God. People fall in love with God. Lastly, uncommon acrimony. What is meant by that, Pastor Jeremy? Well, Pastor Jeremy loves big words. If you didn't notice, love those big words. I call them jer words. My family actually calls them jer words. And what is a jer word? A jer word is like the word flavorable. You know exactly what I mean when I say flavorful, don't you? But if you look that word up, it does not exist in the dictionary. But you know what I'm trying to communicate. Now, the word acrimony, how many of you, that's not a jer word, it's a legit word. How many of you know what the word acrimony means? Anybody? Somebody tell us. This is hilarious. This is exactly what happened first service. Y'all are sitting here like, I think I know what it means, but I'm not going to be wrong. I'm not going to say the wrong thing. Folks, what did I just tell you about Daniel? He got involved. Dietrich Bonhoeffer would have told us what acrimony means. Remember, he said, you might be wrong, but at least you did something, right? Anybody want to give it another chance? Nobody still wants to tell me what acrimony is. It's the idea of, and and there's a lot of different ways you can define it. Okay, so those of you who think you know it, and I'm not going to say exactly the way you, just get over yourselves, okay? The, The issue is, is that it's ill will. It's ill will. Too late, you should have said it. There you go. Yes, you have bad feelings towards somebody else, all right? So uncommon acrimony, uncommon ill will, uncommon bad feelings, uncommon hatred towards somebody. What are we talking about? Well, let's look at it. Let's look at it from the story. And here you go. Last vantage point. This will now set up the entire picture for you where we end in that throne room with Daniel saying, there is a God in heaven who reveals the mysteries. Verse 1, chapter 2. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. The king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. Now remember, we got dreams now, right? It's not so much visions. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. The Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we shall show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, it shall be torn, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. Here we go. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. Are you catching a pattern here by these jokers, these yucksters? Right? The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time, because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you, show, that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered with the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter 
or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling place is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and was very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. And as Paul Harvey always used to say, and now you know the rest of the story. Now we have the motivation. Now we have the plot. What did you hear there by these Chaldeans? What you ask is difficult. As a matter of fact, it's impossible. No man can do this. At least they knew their position finally. Did you get a kick out of the little tete-a-tete that was happening between the king and these guys? I think we could use Nebuchadnezzar today. What I'd like to see happen is at these healing services that we see on TV is the person doesn't talk about what their ailment is, doesn't talk about what their situation is, and you just bring them before the healer and you say, what is the problem? And if you know what my problem is, then I trust you to fix it. Here's the fascinating thing. We don't see that. Now, here's where I'm going to clarify a little bit more than what I did for service. Sometimes you do see that. I'm not speaking to those events. I'm speaking to what we all, in the context of our minds, know. Those that make us uncomfortable with this terminology of God works through visions, it's like, there's a lot of hinky stuff going on out there. That does not allow us to discount the fact that God does work in uncommon ways. Got it? It's the whole point of talking about visions today. But I would have loved to have Nebuchadnezzar in my back pocket. And in some ways, we need to be like him. And you notice these guys are like, Oh, great king, we think you're so great. Just tell us the dream and then we can give you the interpretation. I remember hearing this gal on the radio late at night. Um, was trying to go to sleep. Needed something to take my mind off. And these people were supposed to call in. And she was going to tell them what their problem was. And then she was going to give them advice. And so this person calls in. <laughs> she says, yeah, you're having romance problems. And the person said, nope, that's not it. Well, it's, it's kind of romance problems, but it's connected to an animal. You really love an animal. But I don't have any animals. Well, but I think your father had an animal that when you were a child died, and that's affecting your love life now. No, my father didn't have any animals. We lived in the city. I think that this is a cousin of yours that their father had the animal And on and on it went. And the host of the show finally had to pull the plug and apologize for weeks after having that person on. But folks, we go to these people and ask their advice. This is what the fallen world is doing. Over and over and over, they desperately need to know. And what does God do in this situation? God says, I'm going to give that dream to Nebuchadnezzar. It's going to have purpose. By the way, that's how you know the difference between just a dream as we call it and a biblical dream nebuchadnezzar is disturbed you'll see the dream revealed next week it's really not that big of a deal it's a statue big deal but this disturbed nebuchadnezzar to the point he was willing to kill people he knew that there was something he was supposed to get from this he had to seek wise counsel about this 
That's how you know the difference between just a regular dream and if God's trying to speak to you for a purpose. Get it? Got it? Good. Let me give you these last three points. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb. Oh, happy kingdom. Severely disturbed leadership can make severely destructive choices. My friends, a time is coming and it is even now where our nation, our leaders, and I'm not just talking about the president, folks. We automatically go to the president. I'm ta- you heard me talk about it last week. I'm talking about pastors and churches. I'm talking about fathers and homes. I'm talking about leaders at your work. I'm talking about generals over our armies. Over and over and over. What's the answer? We gave you the answer. We pulled it right out of Scripture. An uncommon approach. Right? Now we're, now we're moving forward. An uncommon approach. And an uncommon approach leads to an uncommon answer. We had uncommon acrimony. Nebuchadnezzar's going out of his mind. And he's going to kill people over this. He knew that there was something very serious behind this dream and he's got to get the answer. God can use dreams to communicate His will. Again, I'll say it very clearly. This is where you start. Don't sit here and ask for a dream from God. Those are very uncommon and really not necessary. Can God do that and will God do that? Yes, He can and He will. But it can be very confusing to the point where a certain individual had a dream in the 6th century. That dream led that person to be seen as insane temporarily, but it kept moving on from that and it gained ground to the point where today it's in the headlines of our news with as it's termed, Muslim extremism. Muhammad started the whole religion of Islam based off of a dream or a vision. That dream or vision came through what he claimed was the angel Gabriel. Paul warns us in the New Testament about taking on any other message other than what is God's what you have as presented by an angel. That tells us that we know that that's how Satan works. He will work through demons, not angels, but disguised as angels to convince us of things. It's a very dangerous game, my friends, so don't start there. Start here. Because this will then help you measure if for some purpose, if for some reason... God needs you to be His voice to an uncommon situation and uncommon people in an uncommon way. He will make it very clear to you like He did Daniel. There was no ambiguity for Daniel. He had gone to prayer. He had thought about his Lord, his God, and what he knew about Him. Committed it in prayer. Had others committed in prayer. And then God decided in that moment, for that purpose, to reveal it through a vision. All for the purpose of making a point about God speaks through visions? No. 
for the purpose because Nebuchadnezzar expected it to be done that way. That's how he would interpret things. And so God said, fine, I'll I'll be your huckleberry. I'll use it that way. Right? So let me give you my servant Daniel, and he's going to tell you exactly what happened. What did Daniel do? Let's go back to it, the very first point. God promoted God. I mean, Daniel promoted God, not himself. Muhammad promoted himself and his agenda under the auspices of Allah. Can God work this way? We see it on the pages in front of us. Absolutely. Dreams versus visions. The difference is in the distinction. And again, let me help you with that. Nebuchadnezzar knew there was more than just a dream that had happened. He was compelled to find an answer. Daniel prayed. He didn't ask. You don't see anything in the prayers that that God would speak to him through a vision. But God just chose to use that uncommon process. For us, we have the Word of God. For us, we have the Spirit of God working with us on a daily basis, on an hour, minute-by-minute basis. We don't have to have these visions and dreams. But every once in a while, my friends, God may use something like that in an uncommon way for this time to again exalt Himself. Let me give you a demonstration of that as we wrap this morning. You know, I've shared with you about lifetime and what happens there. We will always have, as part of Lifetime Summer Day Camp, an act and dependency of faith on God. We will never fully fund. I don't care if we get a million dollars as a gift. We will never fully fund Lifetime Summer Day Camp, as long as I'm here. Because I think the people that have benefited the most from Lifetime have been His people here, that have watched year after year that God has to show up in a supernatural way and provide so that the world, the fallen world, has to look and say, man cannot do this. God did this. That's why we do Lifetime. Not to promote ourselves, but to promote Christ. How did that come about? Well, we started very much so in a, in a wise and discerning way. We had this vision to do Lifetime because we saw the need for it. Now let me explain that, because that's very different than what I've been saying. Vision in the sense of saying, I could see us doing this. The vision in the, in the business sense, in the, in the uh, horizontal sense of how we talk about vision. But we tried that, we started that, and God shut it down. And here's the reason, is because in our prayers, we asked that God would be exalted in what we were doing. So God didn't let us start with the original business plan that we had. And that summer, I was very disappointed. Those that were part of this were very disappointed. And I spent time in prayer and fasting. I don't fast very much. I should do it a lot more. I spent time in prayer and fasting. What was the result? Remember, this is exactly what Daniel asked of his guys, right? This is exactly what they did. And I had a dream. And I had a dream where Christ was walking around and doing the things that He does in Scripture. In this dream, it wasn't real clear, but there was the healing of the blind man. There was the healing of the paralytic. And I just kind of real quickly saw Jesus walking around and doing those things. By the way, like five of you are going to return now that you're hearing that your pastor has visions, okay? So I'm prepared for that. Um, 
The next thing that happened that told me this was more than a dream as we live in dreams, there was purpose behind this. This was biblical dream. This was biblical vision. Is that God then said, do you want to exalt me? Then do it as my son did it. Depend on the miraculous. Really depend on me. So that there can be no mistake for these families living in a fallen world as to how this is happening. And that is when we came with the idea. This is going to be donation only. There's no guarantee of any money coming in. We're in our fourth year. And God has supplied every single year. And we have the privilege of telling every single family, it is a miracle of God that we're able to do this. Welcome to your introduction to the exalted Christ. That's why we do uncommon things. And that's why God chose to use a vision for Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar to exalt himself. Do you see what this story is really about? So as we look in our own lives as to how to listen to God, we start with the Word. We start with prayer. We listen to the Spirit. And we follow that. If God chooses to use an uncommon way to speak to us, careful, it will always be consistent with this. Always be consistent with this. And so if... You're frustrated and upset at some point in time of me saying that there are those who have healing ministries that have nothing to do with God because they're not healing people. You need to pay attention. Don't be part of a sideshow that claims to, to be of God but has nothing to do with God. Get on board with the exalted God who does so much that He can turn the heart of an evil king that's where we pick up the story next week. Let me pray for you. Lord, it is a blessing to pull from Your Word, from this story, practices and principles that we can, we can ingrain into our own life. That we can know how to hear from You. That we can know really what to do in the midst of a trial and a circumstance and a difficulty. That our vantage point is perfect because we have the Word of God. We can look back and see how do you work and what are your purposes. And that we can effectively pray through those challenges. But Lord, that our, our primary purpose would always be that you are exalted. That if we can remember that, we will be lovingly in your arms. And we can rejoice just like Daniel rejoiced in his prayer and his response. And help us, God, that when those moments happen, we are able to stand in the midst or in the face of a fallen world and give the glory and say, there is none here that can do this, but there is a God in heaven who knows the mysteries and has the answer. Thank you, Lord. Encourage us, use this in our lives to your glory. Amen.